fucks in deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucks in deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucks in deep. Put it in deep. It's Kachuk along with Balzer. Kachuk in, shoots, scores! Brady Kachuk, the overtime winner! Put it in deep! Quinn Hughes still with the puck, turning the corner. Tries a wrist, and he scores! Quinn Hughes with his second of the afternoon. Just startled Thomas Grice. And 42 seconds into overtime, the rookie wins it. Canucks take it 4-3. Lead pass up to Pedersen. It is Pedersen in shoot. Scores! There's that shot. And it's team for the back. Hit down by Smith. It's a one-timer. Scores! He's done it again! Pedersen with a wicked one-timer. Buries it. Here's Pump going Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for you know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. You can never go wrong with getting pucks in deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. What's up, Lesko? Good and you? <laughs> Would you, uh, did you find anything in common? In yes, all I did. Times? It took me a while and I knew there had to be something. <laughs> A so, theme. Uh, RFAs. They're yeah. pushing in to right up against camp. Now, is that a theme now? It's tomorrow. Like, is that a theme, though, among RFAs? Like, um, you remember how uppity we were back when we started the show, actually? Nylander, uh, Marner pushing it right to the wire. Oh, very much so. And we were pretty hot about it. But if you're an, if you're an, uh, an RFA, especially you know one of these high-end ones where I imagine what's going on is tossing back and forth between uh, bridges and then you know, big money deals here. I think it's, 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 that's the only leverage they have is like drag it out and s- try and squeeze the team. Like, you oh, know, so say you a guy think- like Patterson Hughes, they're so integral to the Canucks. If they, you know, miss him for any length of time, that's going to hurt them. And, and not really the dynamic you want first thing at camp either when your integral plate pieces are missing. Yeah. But I don't think that any of these players, or any of the players in the past that have held out on their contracts. I don't think that any of those players necessarily, maybe not all of them, but I think, you know, uh, 90% of those players, none of them would be saying, I'm prepared to not play. Right. I don't think that that's how they go into the negotiations, saying, I want this dollar and uh, I'm prepared to not play one game. They might be prepared to not show up to camp. Right. Because... It's 2022 like almost, and camp isn't when you go to get in shape like they used to right. in 1991. You know, they'd show up to camp, and they were just eating hot dogs and surfing and ice cream and beers all summer, right. and now it's time to get in shape. No, no, no. There's a lot less of what I just said and more of working out and diet and you know trying to be the best that you can be. So uh, you think missing camp is less of a big deal? Yeah, missing camp, the I think player. they're prepared. Do you think it's it's more strenuous on the team dynamic than itself? Yeah, well, like it's more strenuous on management. Yeah, exactly. Because you're trying miles. to really, you know, you're trying to get a, a group of guys on the same page here, 
And like I said, you miss one of those integral pieces. It's got to be frustrating. So yeah. And I, think I, about I, it, the young players. Sorry, dude. Think about the young players coming up, the players that it's going to be their first camp or their right. second camp for this team. Do you think that those players want the likes of Elias Pettersson at all to not be involved? Right. They want to be there. They want them to be there. I know they're not going to be there for you know every single uh, scrimmage or workout. They're probably working out in different groups, but that's part of the game. That's part of developing your draft picks, having your fir- your your current stars and faces of the franchise. Yeah, set the example. Set the example and be there for the young players as you ease them in. You know that they're probably not going to play this year, or if they do, it'll be because of lots of injuries or other circumstances but we still want this player to get acclimated right. into our organization. And what a better way to do that than, you know, to be hanging around, working out and eating lunch with the, the team's top players. Yeah. Uh, Pedersen was a very disappointing fantasy first rounder of mine last year. Uh, very better with him, you and so. everyone else that had so him. Very better with him. So luckily I didn't have him on any of my squads, but yeah, he, he would have, he would have been burning you. Yeah. Uh, burning a hole in your roster. Pucks in Deep Podcast, episode 85. Welcome back, everybody. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko. We got a great show lined up for you guys here tonight. Um, I had a great time, Lesko, sitting down, getting the intro ready to go. I forgot how much fun it is, but it makes me really wish two weeks or a week ago that I did one, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, but I was kind of up against the gun even today. I uh, just came back from a little visit over to another uh, farm just down the road where uh, we are picking up a puppy oh another dog in a couple weeks two dog guy it's the first that's you're the first human being that knows oh well thank you we've known for a while but for some reason i decided i said to kirsty it'll be more fun if we keep it a secret and then all of a sudden be like hey what's up dog new puppy like we already have archie and we welcomed him to the family and all the social media stuff and all that whatever all that jazz you know it was fun i thought this one will get archie a little butt you know, we'll get him a get him a little friend, and we'll. Just, what kind of dog is it? So it's an Australian Shepherd Border Collie Ooh, mix, but it's wiry little doggy. Dominantly the Australian Shepherd. They're cool looking dogs too. It's a Red Merle, which uh, for you dog enthusiasts out there is uh, a rather rare uh, form of the Australian Shepherd. It's it's very dominantly like the 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 farm owner was saying, like, you might as well just tell people he's an Australian Shepherd. Like, there's no Border Collie looks. There's no Border – like, there might be Border Collie, uh, you know, characteristics or personality or something or instincts or whatever. But, yeah, at the very base of it looks, he, he's very Australian Shepherd. I'm not familiar with that dog at all, to be honest with you. Um, but he's just stunning to look at. Like, he's yeah, like, cool like a gray-brown, like a almost gray – like, I don't know. Looks like a teddy bear nice. uh, kind of thing. Uh, blue eyes, like – it looks pretty. It looks pretty cool. So we're pretty excited. And I was. I even told Kirsty before we fired up the pod. I was like, I think I might break the news, kind of find out who listens to the show. <laughs> you know, find out who listens to the you show. About the doc. Someone will be like, Hey, man, you're getting a puppy. And I wanted to do it early on the show because you know a lot of people probably tune into the show and then they tune out <clears> as soon as we start talking about the Leafs or some shit. Uh, which which we actually are, we're going to do that today. We are going to do that. Yeah, Luke Fox actually on right the, on the topic of RFAs as well. He wrote a piece there about a week ago on the uh, the bunch of top names, I guess, top RFAs. Uh, and obviously, another one, Brady Kachuk as well, um, creating a bit of a stir there in Ottawa. He's the I one w- I got my eye on the most. Well, that's the most interesting, and I think he's the is. one who's like most important to the team. Like he's what far and away their best player outside of Shabbat. Shabbat got paid 
And we all know that Ottawa has trouble paying guys, right, when it comes down to it. Well, but, they have trouble wanting to pay them. Right. I feel like they could pay them. Right, right. The money's there. It's just money's there. Wanting to actually give them the what they're looking for right? or and what they deserve. So at this point in the game, like let me just let me just throw it to you cold call. Is the Shabbat contract, which is rumored to have been offered, uh, is the Shabbat contract fair? Or would you say that, you know, he shouldn't be over over Shabbat's number or that he should be? Like, are you indifferent to that? Like, what do you think of the eight times eight? Here's that is rumored. If they actually offered that to him, I'd be surprised that he didn't take it. That he didn't now, take and it? I'd, and I I'd believe I'd seen a report where his agent or someone came out and said that that wasn't true. Now, who the fuck actually knows? But I figure if they offered him that, that sounds pretty reasonable for a guy coming off his ELC who, you know, he's he's torn it up by any means. No, but he's been integral. Exactly. And he's a fan favorite. And And he's captain material, okay? Right. So, like, let let me ask you another question then. Do you think that he wants eight years? Do you think that That's, he's looking that for... That could be the question. I think the team wants him for eight. Right. And I think he is like, no, I want... I want no I more. Want no more than five. Or I want to know more about what's going on. Well, exactly. Like, what's what's your plans? I feel like that's a longer conversation. It's like, hey, well, how are you going to build... Uh, how are you going to build a competitor here? Because by all accounts, he likes playing in Ottawa. Loves and, playing and in Ottawa. Loves to be there and wants to be a part of the future. But you want to know the long, long-term long plan in eight years. That's pretty hard. I don't, I don't know how many responsible organizations in any aspect have eight years mapped out. And with the auto centers, how thin they are in the uh, the old management division there. I don't, I don't know how much long-term planning there is. So <laughs> I can see why he'd lean towards that like five years, for example, that Austin Matthews got. Well, exactly. Right? That's exactly where, where I was going to go. Yeah. You know, more or less, let's not, that's not kneecap yourselves and let's not uh you know and put me in a situation where i'm like i want the fuck out of here yeah um and it's very early to tell like obviously ottawa's trajectory going the right way right now yes um, like i i think we saw that last year yeah ottawa's on the ottawa is definitely on the right path but this is not a great start to that path you know you don't want to be it, it's hard to attract free agents and retain your talent obviously if you're you're going to going to nickel and dime everybody but i would expect i mean if they're if they busted out the old checkbook there for shabbat then they should have no problem doing that for for a kachuk well that that's sorry my mic was off there for a second yeah i mean that's what i was getting at with the shabbat thing okay like he would i think it's safe to say that shabbat is ottawa's best player yeah okay um i i like brady kachuk more as like just just as a just as a fan of hockey, just as a fan of hockey. Like I, I like I would I would want to buy a Kachuk jersey before I wanted to buy a Shabbat jersey. Um, but as far as you know, importance to the team, uh, value to the to the dollar, you know, versus points or right. games or whatever, you know, the metrics there. Shabbat's got to be above Kachuk in that. In that, I think regard. just in regard being a, a a first pairing defenseman, just. Inherently Super important. makes you more valuable. I think you're right. Yeah, right? it's a you're good point. You're just a rarer breed of player. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Uh, but, like, you know, they got Shabbat done, seemed like pretty easy. Yeah. Seemed like child's play. Right. Eight times eight. Let's go. Yeah. Pretty easy. Sign right here. And everyone was like, man, that was awesome. Like, way to go. 
Um, I agreed. I said the same. And then I, I like for a little while there, I was saying to, you know, some sense buddies of mine, what's going to happen with Brady? Mm-hmm. You know, Brady's going to be like, okay, great. You did one guy. Like you, you, you got one guy. He's an extremely important guy and probably the most important guy. So that's fantastic. Great, great start. But where do we go from here? Yeah. It has to continue. And just because he did one, I don't know, and by he, I mean Eugene, you know, just because he gave one out, I don't know if he's going to be willing to be like, yeah, sure, you're the ne- you're up next, you're up next. And then, you know, we, we saw how that necessarily hasn't reaped any rewards yet for the Leafs, Kyle Dubas, and his ability to say, here you go, and here you go, and here you go, right? So there is a fair comparison to be made there. Hey, look, hold on a second. I don't want to just be handing out fucking contracts left, right, and center. Do you think? Pierre Maguire is making uh, like part of the negotiation team for the centers. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, probably like he's probably got some sort of input in there. I don't even remember what Pierre's exact it's like. I love title you, is. You're a monster out there, but we're only giving you five. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have an uh, active stick. You don't have as much of an active stick in the neutral zone as we would like to see you have. Sorry, if he was around for the Shabbat negotiation, he'd be like, well, you're no Dion, so uh, <laughs> I don't know. We can probably only do about four, four and a half. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, listen, we could we could talk about it all day. Uh, camp starts tomorrow. Um, I know. I'd, I, you know. It crept up on me a bit. I didn't, I didn't realize how soon I know, it was. dude. Camp starts tomorrow, man. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. I, there are actually more... Uh, free agents RFAs that that are I guess technically going to be holdouts as of as of tomorrow. Um, geez, you know I don't really know what to say. I I hope I I really do hope that none of these guys, especially the you know the star talent, like I'd say the the top four or five uh, RFAs on the board right now. Kirill Kaprizov, we heard him as well right. in the highlights. You know he is apparently over in Russia still. There's a looming threat. Uh, with regards to the KHL, the rumor is uh, ten mil is the rumor. Mm-hmm. Now that which is nuts. Yeah, and but it's probably in unmarked bills and duffel bags too. Wh- why don't we try and actually get an inside scoop from the man himself, Luke Luke Fox, mm-hmm. who just hit me up and told me that he's ready to go. Very good. He's at his. Uh Child's hockey practice, I believe. Yeah, he's right? sitting in the parking lot right now. Can't wait to get his pucks wow. in deep. Well, this is wonderful. All right, well, let's bring him on then. All right, well, here we are with Luke Fox from Sportsnet. Uh, you can find Luke on Twitter, at Luke Fox Jukebox. Sorry, I kind of stumbled through that one, Luke. Uh, thanks for joining us again here on the Pucks in Deep podcast. You're making your second appearance. High roller here. Yeah, um, I wasn't sure if I'd be invited back after the last one. So uh, <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is a real pleasant surprise that I'm I'm back. I think it was at the start of of last season too, wasn't it? It yeah. was like right, right before training camp was getting going, and yeah, yeah, that, that's correct. Good, we good. we we gave you some. Uh, Lesko gave you some rapid fire questions, and uh, and then you said you said, "Hey guys, that was fun. Why don't you have me back at the end of the season, and we'll see how I did." Oh, I think I did horrible. Uh, we'll we'll get to that later, but um, <laughs> at first glance, I remember saying to Lesko, I was like, I'm going to shoot Luke a, a message and see if he wants to come on. I said, it just didn't go very well, the end of the season. I don't think it was uh, appropriate to have you on and talk about that train wreck. You know, we needed at least a few months, Luke, to get over it. Come on, you know that. 
Yeah, pretty much every Leaf fan I've talked to is <laughs> is a little bit scarred from that, and they're kind of like a little reluctant to get excited for this season. They're I, I've talked to some people that are just like, ah, oh, wake me up in April. Let's, <laughs> let, let, let's let's see what they do in the playoffs. But you know what? There's there's not going to be much to do in the winter. The Raptors aren't going to be very good. If you're a Toronto sports fan, after the Jays are done, yeah, I think I think people will get interested again. They can't help themselves. Yeah. Yeah, we obviously can't help ourselves, and I think people are going to be watching regardless. Um, it, it was not a very eventful off season as well for the Maple Leafs, uh, for obvious reasons, lack of cap space and kind of just shifting chairs around. But uh, there, there seems to be uh, an interesting kind of theme here, just low cost, you know, high potential upside solutions here. Um, do you think there's any of those guys that they brought in who – can actually make like who do you think make the biggest impact out of that crew uh, crew of guys that you know didn't really excite anybody uh, on the off season? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's 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 you know it's hard to say, and I feel like management um, themselves aren't quite sure. That's why they kind of went for quantity over quality. It's like we let's spend a limited amount of money on each guy, but bring in a bunch of guys, and hopefully we can get. Uh, a couple top six forwards out of this, you know, uh, Nick Ritchie, I, th- I think is an interesting one just because he doesn't really play a Leafs brand of hockey. Like he takes a ton of penalties. The Leafs the, generally don't aren't in the box much, but this guy will take penalties. He'll drive the net. He'll, he'll cause some ruckus um, and hopefully bang in some goals from short range. Uh, so he's kind of interesting. Michael Bunting's probably the, the guy that I think might have the most upside just because, um, you know, he, he has such a small sample size in the NHL that we don't really know what he is yet. I, I think people kind of understand what Nick Ritchie is at this point. Um, you know, Josh Hosang is, is on a tryout. He's kind of interesting as well. But Bunting has my eye just because uh, he's kind of, in all his interviews that he's given, he sounds like a guy that's just going to go to the crease and be a absolute pest. Um, and he's very hungry. You know, he took less money than he was offered from other teams to sign in Toronto because of his relationship w- with Kyle and because uh, he's a local guy. So I think he's going to bust his tail every single night. And he, he's the type of guy that maybe could be a fan favorite, especially if, you know, he knocks in some Austin Matthews rebounds or something like that. I think we're pretty excited about that as well because just like you said, he's a different type of player than what what we're kind of used to seeing, right? Somebody who's going to bang some bodies and cause some havoc around the net. So that's kind of music, I think, to a lot of maybe some of our older school Maple Leaf fans, uh, guys who love you know Gary Roberts, Darcy Tucker type players. I know it's <laughs> not really a fair comparison, but I think we welcome a bit of toughness in the in the lineup. Are you calling us old now? Well, I think we're up there. Like as Man. far as like the demographics of fans here goes, like I feel like I'm an old school fan just because I like fighting more than the average person. But sometimes I talk about players in in some group chats, and like three quarters of the group chat doesn't even know the player I'm talking about. Like, Luke, you must get that a lot. You talk to some new age fans and you're like, yeah, I remember this guy from the 80s or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I mean, oops, that... I aged myself. No, no, like that. that's that's my era, right? Like um, I grew up collecting hockey cards in the late 80s, early 90s. And so, yeah, like that. that's when you looked at them as as heroes, as like these, these giants that were, uh, you know, 
bigger, bigger than you, bigger than life. And I remember autograph hunting. What was really cool was one of the, for one of the Canada, Canada cups, I was just a kid and team Canada trained, like did their, their training camp in my hometown of Collingwood, Ontario. So nice. Gretzky was at that one. That's when Eric Lindros was just a rookie or not, hadn't even made his NHL de- debut, but he was wow. invited to the team Canada training camp. So all these guys descended upon our, our small little town. Um, so like me and my other buddies, are, are out there, you know, autograph hounding and, and Did you just get looking any? at these guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Mul- multiple. Yeah, did you, yeah. Did, did you so, get Mario? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh my it, God. Like, I, I, I would, we weren't, I went to one practice. I think my, my dad somehow got a ticket to get me in uh, to one practice to watch them practice in our local rink, like the same rink I played in because there was only one rank in town. Um, but then we'd go to other practices and, you know, there, there's no, you know, this is a small town, so there's no like secret players exit or entrance or anything. So we'd, we'd hang around by the cars and with our hockey cards and, and they were all polite and pleasant and would sign. And Man. then we tracked it, the, tracked them down at their, at their golf course and outside <laughs> their hotel. Uh, I'm not like that now though. That, you know, I left the, my stalker days behind me when I was 11 or 12 years old. Do you what? still have the cards it, though? Oh yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. nice. I have a, I have a signed uh, Gretzky rookie card. Oh, uh, I, it, it's not in mint condition though. Cause I, I just, it was what I could afford. So I got one with a big crease in it, but I got him to sign it. I remember reaching my hand into his, his Jeep Wrangler through the window and please, Mr. Gretzky, please. And yeah, sign <laughs> Damn, it. <laughs> that's amazing. So, uh, if, if, you know, unless that's the piece, my question for you, once I, you know, once you answered the question that you got all kinds, uh, I wanted to ask you at this point in your life, what's your favorite piece? Like, what do you, what do you got? What's like, your favorite what, piece? Them on display or, you know what? I should put them on display, but they're, um, they're in my basement in summer in protective, uh, you know, cases and stuff, but they're, they're in boxes right now. They're not out on display. The only card I have out on display is, uh, my uncle's card. My uncle was, a, a third line center for about, I don't know, six years and oh, cool. just a, just a journeyman type of guy. Uh, his name's Dave Hudson. He played for the Colorado Rockies, the Kansas city scouts and the New York Islanders. So I have his card up on display. Wow. Um, so, I mean, yeah. would you identify that as your favorite piece just because of the sentimental value and forget the, you know, the famous uh, Mario's and Wayne's of the world, like sentimental value Pro- all the way? Probably, probably. Right on. Um, especially if he was listening, but the, the, <laughs> si- the sign Gretzky card would be uh, a close second, I'd say. Wow. That's awesome, man. I, I, I've got some nice pieces myself and I have some items that, uh, you know, their jerseys, I may or may not have bought them from jerseycow.org dots, you know, org or whatever, uh, <laughs> or whatever, you know, like when I'm 20 years old. Uh, but yeah, I got some nice pieces. Uh, I got some nice jerseys signed right at the, right at the games, like right at the Sens oh, games. Yeah? I used to just go to the game. Sometimes I would go by myself and like, just take the bus down to the game and go down and sit, sit in the, uh, hundies for the warm up and then just you know, not move until someone came and told me to. And all the, like the percentages of success was extremely high. I just got to sit there and enjoy the game for like, you know, $23 or something in the Coca-Cola section. Got a couple of nice autographs. So it's, 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 on kids. it's way more fun 
to get them in person, like without, like you said, oh, having yeah. to having to stalk them necessarily at their golf course and stuff. Oh, way, way more fun. And what what I would say, like I, I'm pretty impressed because I've you know spent a lot of time now for my job hanging around these rinks, and I, I don't know if I could tell you one time I've seen a hockey player walk past a kid and not sign. You know, um, it happens all the time at practice or after games. Somehow, s- some kid gets access to the tunnel or whatever mm-hmm. uh and and they all you know they almost to a man always stop and, and sign like it what a tr- what a thrill it is right when you're a young kid and you're looking up to these guys oh, oh absolutely yeah. you know what when you pointed that out earlier it, it, it that hit me like a like a brick i mean it was a really solid point like when you are that age these these guys are gods yeah and you know you do kind of you do crest, I think, a certain point in your life. I don't know. It could be different age, various ages for different people. But you crest over to this point where, you know, you're like, well, I can't be turning 35 in January and think Austin Matthews is my goddamn hero. You know, like, close. I, I can't really do that. But, like, I love the player as a hockey player. He's got to be up there with me. You know, I got the jerseys. I got a, I got a card. I got pictures of him. You know, it's it almost gets to that point where it's, like, it's weird, for lack of a better term. But it's, it's apparently it's not weird because it's sports. You know, it's like you can, you can tap your butt on his behind after making a nice play, but you can't do that at Home Depot when you're like, hey, thanks for helping me find this, man. <laughs> <laughs> Smack him in his behind, you know. <laughs> Different game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good job finding the Phillips there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Unreal. All right. I'll take you back to the ice sphere for a sec, Luke. Oh, hey. You, sorry, let's go. Hold oh, on. Hey, what number is Hosang wearing? Oh, um, I think it was 52. Okay. It's, it's not 66. It's not, six, it's not 66. <laughs> what do you oh, think it, about that, by the way? Now it absolutely that. isn't 66. So when they're, when they're practicing in these, these pre-camp skates, they don't wear numbers. So you got to squint and just see the number on their helmet. But oh, it, I, it def- I think it was 52. It definitely wasn't 66. What are your, what's your definitely take on the, checking, whole, eh? on the whole 66 thing? Oh, uh, I think it got a little overblown. That's fair. Um, it, it takes, it takes a certain kind of guy to to do it, though. You know, it's it's a bold move. I think it's bold. I it's think a, it might be a little. It's too a bold, bold move. When you had <laughs> mentioned, um, I, I read your article from 2017 where you interviewed Hosang actually, um, and you had mentioned in that article that he that Mario didn't care about it. I believe. Yeah, Mar- Mario said it was fine, but if you're Mario and you get asked about it, what what are you going to say? Right, you, you don't want to come off as a dick, I guess either. Yeah. So. Maybe. I would have said no. I'm Mario Lemieux. <laughs> like, nobody has worn it. And why are you going to wear it all of a sudden? Well, bold move for a guy not even in the show I didn't know, like full it. time or anything. But I, I did want to ask him about him, uh, though, Luke. And you did mention, you know, it's kind of, he's kind of an interesting story. And, and you know, especially going back to 2017 when you interviewed him and you did mention him in your uh, Leafs preview column the other day. Uh, I guess first question, why do, do you think maybe he hasn't been able to kind of break through into the NHL full time? And do you see him sticking somewhere with the Leafs organization beyond camp, say Marley's or Leafs? Yeah, well, I do. Um, because I think if he doesn't make the Leafs, and I think there's a good chance he, he doesn't make the opening night roster, uh, I think he's at a point in his career where he, you know, he's not going to command a lot of money. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he signed for the league minimum. Like, he he played overseas last season, right? Like, this is 
Even Kyle Dubas said it himself. This is like basically his last chance right. to stick to stick as an NHLer. So, um, you know, I I think he's actually looked really good. He's he like he stands out um, practicing with these NHL players when he when they have the, when his line has the puck. Like he mm-hmm. sticks out. He sticks out more than you know Nick Ritchie or Michael Bunt, Bunting was sticking out in these skates. It's a so the question is. Can he play defense? Can he be responsible defensively? Um, and you know, it's it, there's kind of a parallel to that with Alexey Alchenyuk, right? Like right. when it when his line had the puck and he was playing with good players like John Tavares and Nylander, he looked pretty good. Um, but he had some mental mistakes, or the hockey sense wasn't kicking in when he was in the D zone, and you know, ultimately it's cost him his job, and he's still looking for work right now, like. You'd, as much as you, you'd love to say, oh, the NHL is this high-flying skill league, you still have to play defense, or the coach won't, or the coach won't give you ice time. Um, so, what if I were to make a prediction? I would predict they they kind of follow the Galchenyuk model in terms of getting them with the Marlies, giving them like power play time with the Marlies, top six minutes with the Marlies, getting his confidence going, um, so that then when they do call him up and give him a look. Um, he's coming in with feeling good about it and knowing the system. That would be my guess. Yeah, and I think it's a really good opportunity for him. Like, I'm not going to sit here as a biased Leaf fan and say, oh, it's a, another great reclamation project by Kyle Dubas, you know, and I'm also not going to say it sarcastically either because it's really up to Hosang at this point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you said it is, well, I guess, you know, you echoed Dubas's sentiment where it is, you know, in all in essence, his last opportunity here. And it's not like he's getting a last opportunity to prove he can do something on the Buffalo Sabres or the right. Arizona Coyotes. Like he's coming in to a situation where if he's getting looks, it it obviously is because he has earned them given the depth chart, given the amount of you know other players that are also fighting for ice time and fighting for NHL-sized paychecks. Seems like it's created a bit more internal competition, which they kind of mentioned last year, but I see it being more wide open this year anyway for roster spots. Especially on the left wing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it should be a dogfight, and it should be a meritocracy, hopefully. It, hopefully no one is given a spot and you know they have to lose it. I think Last year, there was a little bit of, you know, tie goes to the veteran going on with, mm-hmm. with Joe Thornton starting out of camp up with, with uh, Austin and Mitch. And he was kind of given that spot. It was like his to lose. I think it's a bit a bit of a different scenario um, this camp because, you know, you got Bunting, you got Richie, you got Hosang. They brought in Nikita Gusev. Ilya Mikheyev apparently wants a top six role. He's in a contract year. He wants to to put a few more points on the board, so he should be hungry. And then a guy we haven't talked about is Nick Robertson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who you look at the the NHL level talent they brought in. He probably doesn't make the cut right away, but you try telling that kid that that mm-hmm. he like he is hungry. I'm and hearing. He, sorry, Luke. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just gonna say, and he like really stood out in the rookie development camp, which, you know, he should, but he is head and shoulders the best prospect on forward that they have, um, you know, 
obviously is another level to to stick in the in the show but mm-hmm. we'll see well he, he's had some good looks right and and again I, I bring it back to what I just said uh, earlier about an opportunity to be on a on a team that can actually do some damage you know and and a team that if you did get that opportunity during the regular season where, you know, yes, it's not playoffs and a lot of people have their careers judged on playoffs, but you earn your paychecks based on, you know, the season for, you know, for the large part, especially earlier on in your career, you earn your opportunities during the season. And I've heard a few different people mention that, you know, they, they wouldn't be surprised to see old tricky Nicky Robertson up there on the on the likes of the top line by the time you know all the cards are down because of just what he can bring I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with that notion putting him up that high but uh, this guy like you just said try telling him that he's not going to have that shot try telling him he's not going to make it like he's had uh, you know a lot of trials and tribulations a lot of uh, hurdles to overcome throughout his life and to get where he is is really remarkable uh, pretty impressive for Nick Robertson, and uh, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see him working in a top six role, uh, you know, as early as, as halfway through the season, let's say, as a solidified player. And the path is, oh, like, with Zach Hyman leaving, the path has never been this open for for left-wingers in particular. Mm-hmm. So there, there's two spots, right? It's, it's Matthews and Marner, or it's Nylander and Tavares. Like, they're both open. Um, so, you know, maybe the the guys that they gave a little bit more money to i.e. Richie and Bunting might start there but they have to keep those those they have to work hard and keep those like you remember Jimmy VC mm-hmm. started with Nylander and Tavares right as right. soon as he stopped producing stopped you know looking so good in Sheldon Keith's books another guy gets a shot and Keith is a tinkerer 82 games is a long road there's a lot of time to try it different combinations and a bunch of guys up there so it's there for the taking so yeah. if you're if you're assuming that Richie and Bunting are uh, and I think that's a fair assumption that that's where I would uh, place my bets as well um, if we're assuming that Richie and Bunting occupy uh, L1 and L2 are you leaning anyway uh, Luke as to which one you think might see the time because in my opinion just you know sorry to uh, jump in front of your own answer here but the way I look at it is you'd almost wish to find a combination of Richie and Bunting and like find a, like a, a love child between them and, and put him on the line uh, because <laughs> Richie doesn't really have the foot speed that Hyman had before, yeah. but, he, but he's got the physicality and he's got the board battles and the net front presence. And then you've got Bunting who has the speed and the tenacity, but not necessarily any of the crash and the bang. So uh, if you had to put, pick one to place at this point in time, which way would you go? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know how important my answer is because I I would be shocked if Keith didn't didn't try both. Right. You know what I mean? No, like, I agree. Wh- whoever st- glides out there for opening night face off, you know, it could change halfway through that game just because the coach likes to see different combinations. I would my guess would be Richie just. And that's just because they gave him a bit of a, a richer contract and he's a more established NHL player. So, if you know, I'll give you a guess. But I think it's it's more a matter of, you know, trial and error. Let's let's try a few guys, see which combinations seem to click. Um, and, you know, you're not going to find another Zach Hyman. Like, yeah. the, the other thing we haven't talked about is the guy killed penalties. Like, first, first PK unit, he could slide in on the PP. 
He'd be like taking the open. He'd be on the ice for the opening draw. He'd go against the other team's top lines. Last minute of the game, whether you're up a goal or down a goal, he's absolutely on the ice. Like, oh man, it, it might be painful for Leaf fans to see him. You know, working with Connor McDavid. This yeah, year. But, yeah, <laughs> but come on, let's not overblow that here. It's gonna be tough. Uh, in the short term. Yeah. All I right. Mean, we all know that there was just no way that we could be giving Hyman that deal. Like the, the term that they gave him on the deal. Like there's just no way. Like we're going to hate it. We're going to hate seeing it for the first few years, I think. And then I feel like in the last, in the last half of that contract, we're going to be happy that it wasn't us. I agree. I just, cause the, the nature of Hyman's game leads to a lot of wear and tear so it already has I worry, yeah it already has so i worry about injuries especially in the last half i think ken holland's looking at it like right now well it, it, if we don't start winning playoff rounds in the first half of hyman's deal i might not be around for the last half. <laughs> right <laughs> yes, he's, he's going point. all in you know here. well it's, it's yeah. a bold move and, and understandable that anybody would want the guy and i think we all kind of knew in the back of our minds, whether we wanted to admit it or not, that he was gone. And not only that, that there's there's no way we're hitting another home run like you know they did all those years ago when they brought him in for for next to nothing, and he turned out to be a you know a bona fide top six player. Um, you'd mentioned Kyle Dubas's first trade. That yeah, was his first trade. Yeah, and if he yeah. could pull another one, if you pull one of those off a season, there he can stick around. But. Man, I love I like I love Hyman. You rewind this tape all the way to the first podcast episode well, yeah. we ever did man like we've been stroking uh, them off since day oh <laughs> easy like but the th- i think the thing the reason for that luke is because like people were so hard on zach hyman so hard on hyman why is he playing with matthews he's yeah. a bum he can't do anything he can't finish i can't believe they're not playing this guy there what are they doing and i used to be like like you know, you don't want to argue with people and and make it sound like you know everything, but it's like at some point you're kind of like, are you blind? Like, do you not see what's happening here? Like what he does, and like Matthews gets all those goals due in large part to the work by his winger. I had one person tell me, I said, well, he got four goals in his first game. Like, you know, Hyman got a few points and was plus four or something. And he goes, Hyman didn't even play with him that game. I'm like, check the tape, man. Like, check the tape. His first official NHL goal was all Zachary Hyman digging it out, <laughs> shoving it in front, and Matthew's there again to bang it home. Like, the guy was just so integral, and I really got angry when people would, would harp on him for not being able to, you know, put it top shelf. Yeah, and, and I think that just this past season, like, he was carrying his own line at times, mm-hmm. right? Like, when he was put on the third line, the line was fine. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of his game, and I think why a lot of people like him is because they look at how he plays and think man if i tried real hard and maybe if i had a little more skill maybe i could have been that type of player whereas you look at matthews or marner and you're just like oh Can't that shot it. that shot's from out of this world or, or the way <laughs> that guy spins around and create space and sees a pass i can't even see from my television set i, I don't even know <laughs> I, I, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna watch and enjoy but uh, i think there's like something blue collar about Hyman's game and, and the way he plays that I, I think is relatable to the average Joe. I think the city's always appreciated that type of player, especially when you go back to say the teams, of the early nineties, 
they weren't always the, even the teams in the early 2000s they weren't the most skilled teams ever but they they had a work ethic about them and they had a toughness about them and uh you know people characterize you know Wendell and Dougie like that right you know not the flashiest not the most skilled but the guys who will leave it all on the ice so I can see why there's a kind of thirst for that in the market and I'm sure it's going to leave a void for sure yeah I think that's why people like Spezza too I mean he's not a rough guy but no one ever questioned that this guy is not in it for the right reasons, you know, taking the league minimum, minimum wage at end of his career. Just all he talks about is wanting to win that cup. Um, you, know, you can't I, I hate think, the story. No, no. Right. I mean, even if you hated the player, which as a, you know, teenage Leaf fan, right, <laughs> in, right in the middle of the battle of Ontario's, you know, that kept going on every year, it seemed yeah, I couldn't stand Jason Spezza. You know, couldn't stand the guy. Ooh, you know, couldn't couldn't stand the guy. And now I love him. Like he's the best guy ever. You can't hate it. I think even then he was likable. <laughs> well, I'm sure he was always likable. But as you know, sports fans, you you often uh, get a a fond dislike of uh, of your opponent, your rival, especially. And they were our rival then, and they're not anymore, anyways. But yeah, you just quickly come to love a good story, and that's exactly what Jason Spezza has become, is a great story late in his career. Absolutely. And, and what he did this past season, going to the guys who, who make the uh, all the millions and saying, let's all pitch in and, and help out the Marlies, who are just barely getting by playing meaningless games, like that's a class act. That's a leader. Yeah, that's a massive move, and no, no question why they'd want to bring him back. I think we're all happy to see him back. Um, you mentioned Mikheyev earlier. I just want to kind of get your thoughts on on that whole uh, trade request scenario. I think it kind of came in a left field, and I think there was a lot of you know who do you think you are type things. And I understand, like you mentioned, he wants to to see some top top six role, and I think there isn't a lot of question about talent there, but. You know, is is that ship sailed for him? We just got him in a bottom six, penciled in, or do you think he will be afforded a bit more opportunity to maybe have a bit more puck luck around the net? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, right? I would expect him to kill penalties again. I would pencil him in on the third line, um, but who knows? Maybe there was some sort of talk behind the scenes and saying, you know, we're going to maybe try and give him some more opportunity to get more offensive chances, but. You know, part of it's on the player too, right? He can't finish. He's got, he, finish. he's got to convert on some of his chances. Like, he's got to earn that. If he's scoring a ton of goals, if he's finishing off on some of those two-on-ones or breakaways, then you force the coach's hand. But he, you know, he hasn't been able to do that. And I don't know how much of that is you just chalk up to a bad luck season where your shooting percentage drops or how much is it the, the wrist? You know, that was a really severe wrist injury. And I was there that night, and honestly, it was it was horrific to see him skate off, um, you know, with it, with blood spurting like that. It, it was really scary scene, uh, and I was surprised with the trade request just because after that night in Jersey, Kyle Dubas stayed there for a few days with him. Um, you know, they seemed to really invest a lot of time in in trying to rehab his wrist and get him back on track. So, does he get a top six opportunity? Maybe. Um, but I, I do think that one of the things Keith has wanted to do ever since he arrived is get a third line that can kind of act as a shutdown line or a, a 
a D zone start type of line. You know, that's why they brought in David Camp, who basically is going to provide next to zero offense. But they're hoping he's like Philip Deneau light. Like he basically just shuts down uh, one of the other team's top, you know, top two lines. And it's just net, net. And then, you know, the, the Tavares and Matthews lines run wild. Um, so I would guess that Mikheyev starts with camp on that third line and Keith tries to find this, give a third line with some sort of identity. And that identity would be, you're not scoring on us and we can throw up that line against um, some of the, the tougher um, offensive groups in the division. But um, we'll see how it plays out. I know, you know, Mikheyev took a tiny bit less um, at the last minute when he signed his last deal with the Leafs. And now he's, he's on track to be UFA. And he probably saw his his friend, and they share the same agent, Barabanov, go to San Jose, and all of a sudden become an offensive player. Um, so he's probably looking at that and say, thinking, "I have a little bit more to give here, and if I'm going to get paid, you know, the comparable is often goals and assists. You know, when when guys are on the market, so." Um, it's going to be an interesting storyline. This one's not going away. Yeah, you know, I guess that's a really good point you bring up about Barabanov um, because that's exactly I what happened. all about it. Well, it's exactly what happened, right? I mean, yeah. the, guy, the guy gets a little stymied, a little buried uh, in an organization that's top-heavy, uh, yep. gets a move out to an organization that, you know, isn't doing very well, but all of a sudden you start scoring goals. You start selling jerseys. You start feeling better about yourself. It's not always necessarily about wanting to go to a contender. If everybody only wanted to go to a contender, then we'd only have six contenders, <laughs> you know, and everyone yeah. else would be toiling around. It'd be basketball. So, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so Mikheyev, I was taken aback by the trade request as well. Uh, and the first thing that I said to whomever told me about it uh, was I'm upset because of how Dubas stayed with the guy in the hospital. I was like, well, but then, you know, you start thinking about it more and it's less about, like, it's, it's less a personal thing. Screw you guys, I want out of here. Right. Uh, and it becomes more of a, I want a better opportunity uh, for myself. And I, I personally, I, I hope that Mikheyev finds what he wants because that, that will be Leaf's success, in, at least in the interim. Uh, if he's able to get, get himself a move, it's probably because he, he played well and he earned himself uh, trade demand and made Kyle Dewis's job a lot easier and therefore, the trade was was con- you know would be consummated. Um, so I do hope that he has success with whatever he wants to do, and it'll start with the Leafs and, and maybe end elsewhere. Yeah, and I, I'm fine with Dubis, you know, not granting that trade request because what what are you trading, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to get a whole ton back. It's more value for them to have him on this nice team friendly deal, and he is a great skater. He's a good penalty killer, and you got to think that shooting percentage can only go up. So, well, can uh, it even go yeah. down? Like, yeah, it seemed <laughs> yeah. like a strong point too when he first showed up. It seemed he could rip it pretty good, but again, like you said that energy uh maybe a factor as far as setting yeah. him back on that front. Um I guess to switch gears a little bit here with you Luke. I guess um, I wanted to ask you about the Amazon documentary coming mm. up. I know that some journalists got sneak peeks and are uh, were you one of them? No. Uh, How'd you get left not, off of that list? Um, I don't. I don't want to go into it too much, but um, okay. I am going to be. Fa- I am going to be fascinated to see what it looks like on October first. Um, I'm. I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm. I'm a little bit worried 
uh, about how heavy handed the editing might be. Because I, I think there's going to be great stuff that never sees the light of day. Right. But I, I, I am going to be fascinated how unfiltered um, the access is. I know. Well, I know the access is great. It's mm-hmm. just how much is what actually going to make make it to air. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a a bit of a concern as well. Because I, I mean, I believe there's an understanding that Maple Leafs have a certain degree of editorial control here. So does that not make it a little more of a I guess a PR piece or a, a promotional video than and essentially what a documentary is, you know, where there's actual journalism going on. Yeah. Well, the Leafs were a partner in it and the league was a partner in it. Right. Um, oh, so they're so not going to make the team there. or the league look bad in any stretch and, of the imagination. And Amazon was a partner. in it. So, so there's basically three voices at the table. I um, see. And Amazon would be the, the most journalistic of those three voices, right? Oh, of course. They, they, they want they want something. They that want gets fire. People talking. They want mm. fire. Yeah. They, they want, want Danbury Trashers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, did you guys see that? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. That was our next question. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> I, I just yeah, I, I I'm excited to see it. Um, and I think today's fan is is smart enough that it if it looks like a PR piece, they're gonna see through that. I agree. But you know yeah. what, though? At, at the same time, I, I can't remember where I was hearing this. It must have been on uh, NHL radio, I think. Um, but the guys, wherever I was hearing it, they were saying it, it's really not for the hardcore fan, though. It's for, like, conversion of casual like and the general non-fans. audience. Yeah. It's might like watch a documentary the, on sports. Well, like the Formula One documentary that is wildly successful right. and has created instant formula one fans out of thin air. Mm-hmm. I know some of them personally. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid to watch it for fear of becoming <laughs> in, too much into formula one. I don't have time. time. <laughs> I don't have time for it. Uh, you know, so I think, I think that has to be at least considered as well. Um, us, us hardcore fans, Luke, I think we're, we're not really looking for this Amazon documentary. It's going to be a nice look. It's like, if you show me anything Tiger Woods, I will watch it. I don't care what it is. I will watch it. So if you throw me anything Toronto Maple Leafs, it's the same answer. But if I wanted something that was like super hard hitting and no agendas, I don't think I'm ever going to get it. Well, what I would say is that if done right, you please both audiences. Mm -hmm. So you're a Tiger Woods fan. I bet you love the Tiger doc that HBO did, right? Yes. You did, right. So my wife could give two hoots about golf, about Tiger Woods. I watched it with her. She absolutely loved it. Yeah. So if done right, you can you can have enough you know, deep nuggets or, or new information to please the hardcore fan and make it interesting enough for the casual fan. I don't care about um, race, uh, race car driving really at all, but I watched the F1. Um, and I, I was, I loved it. And now so you're cheering I, for Max. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't go the next step where you're actually watching the races. Okay. I just, I just like the show, but, um, I, I think if you do, if, if you're able to do a, a good job, you can please both the hardcore, you know, hockey nerds and the, the casual fan. A casual fan like a Danbury Trashers fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, That's a good example. Of they created hockey fans out of thin air, yes. right, by simply plopping a team in this town. And, and yeah, we did want to get your thoughts on that, Luke, because, uh, you know, the hockey world's buzz about that. And, and 
it's just an incredible story. So I just just wanted to know what you thought when you watched that, and I'm sure like the rest of us were kind of floored with what we saw. Yeah, I mean, I just loved loved it for the entertainment value. I I didn't know much about that team at all, so it was all new to me. Um, and just the the interviews, the characters, like that equipment manager, the the ball yeah. oh, best guy. Oh my god, T Bone, easily oh, like, the best guy. Like I, I feel like it was straight out of the Sopranos. I mean, they referenced yeah. that, but it was just like it was uh, it was like you couldn't write this, you couldn't write fiction this good. Um, I absolutely loved it, and just like oh, even the home videos of The Rock showing up at this this kid's <laughs> birthday party, China Triple H. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh my goodness, how did my thought just go right out of my brain? Uh, it, it, it was a crazy combination of the WWE and hockey. That's what Lesko and I were talking about last night. It's just like the perfect marriage between the per- big personality heel turning uh, WWE and the you know beautiful sport of ice hockey. I mean, they clashed right at center ice. Even the name and the logo was like super appropriate yeah, yeah. for the for the product that they were selling. And then you know you you basically had like your all of your fan base is like a stone cold Steve Austin fan base. They'd be slamming beers together and shotgunning them in the crowd if you'd let them. Yeah, AJ, right? AJ, yeah, yeah, AJ, yeah. yeah. So a- what I love is like this. This kid's a teenager, but he had a vision. It wasn't mm-hmm. just like, oh, I get I get to play around with the hockey team. He like had a vision of like how this team is gonna play. And you may disagree with it and think it's ridiculous that they, you know, would start brawls right off puck drop and everything. But for this kid to say, no, this is how my team's gonna be, and we're gonna, you know, please the fans and we're gonna be the the bad guy. Like we're gonna lean in to being the villain. Um, it's it's kind of marketing genius. Like even if you you think it's horrible and violent, you got to respect the the vision and the uh, the originality this kid had. Well, I mean, the, the ticket sales and merchandise sales yeah, speak, speak yeah. for themselves. He's selling jerseys right now. Like he's got jerseys online going. Like that's how hot it is. And you got to get him. That's pod. what I thought was amazing too. Uh, Drake uh, wanted the, one of them. I yeah, know. Drake got yeah. one before. I think it was <laughs> before I even saw a documentary. I saw it on Instagram. He's he's wearing the jersey. I'm like, what fucking jersey is that? Who's Galanti? <laughs> I had no idea because I hadn't seen it yet. And of course, I hear the story. We told the story on Chicklets recently about how that all went down, which is absolutely fascinating. But like you said, look, marketing genius and the fact that he was able to, like you said, set out that that idea and actually achieve it. Like that was yeah. really apparent in the documentary. He succeeded 100% in doing that. And I think he made a good point too in saying at that time, it was, things were so different that it just couldn't happen again today. No, no, I, I don't think so. And wrestling um, was way more popular back then. Yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember. Like, I don't remember it. Okay. Now it was I was like 2004, though. Yeah, right? I know. But so. I, well, I remember the World Cup in 2004. Like, yeah, but this is, we're talking like minor league hockey. We don't have yeah, social but media, I wa- right? No, but I watched Sports Center yeah, in 2004. Know. Like, and Luke, you did you not just mention too that you, you were unfamiliar with it until the documentary? I was unfamiliar with it. So yeah. How did this? I mean, how did this go underneath our noses? Sound like got a lot of press. In the hockey fans. 
Like I was a big hockey fan watching Sports Center every night. No one wanted to tell me about the Danbury Trashers. <laughs> I would have watched if that was on broadcast. I'm surprised to hear that you didn't know about it either, Luke. I mean, maybe you weren't, you know, as, as it, I don't know. I don't know what your life was like back then, but I, I, I was almost upset watching it because it was on Sports Center, and I was like, what, why didn't I see any of this ever? American Sports Center, though. I was a big yeah, wrestling it, fan then too. It slipped past my radar. I mean, it was it was during the lockout too, right? So I I don't know. Oh, I, true. I think I stopped. I just stopped paying attention. Oh, speaking of we which, were all watching how, poker at that I point. Think. How quickly? How quickly? Oh, poker, you're right. Yeah, we were watching poker. <laughs> how quickly yeah. did you go to Hockey DB to type in Michael Rupp? <laughs> Before the show ended, yeah, right yeah. away. Oh, it yeah. was pretty much right away. Like as soon yeah. as they put him on the screen, I was like, "That's Rupper." I like dug my phone out, had to go on. Sure enough, there it was right there. Danbury Trashers. I think he had uh, ten points in fifteen games or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, <laughs> playing like, the playoffs and, for them. Crazy. Too. What What was interesting to me was there was a notable uh, interviewee that was not shown, uh, Brent Gretzky. Like okay. it, obviously the 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 Gretzkys did not want anything pr- to do with that doc. It seems right. Yeah, not really the image they want to be associated with especially with Wayne I guess big role now on uh he'll be on ESPN if, if I'm not mistaken uh, as a, as an analyst so yeah I'm, I'm just thinking they, he must have declined because um you just think about how thorough they were yeah. like they got they got fans they got management they got the commissioner like they they were pretty thorough in, in getting all those guys to talk about the phenomenon that was the Danbury Trashers but um the fact that they pulled that publicity stunt of signing Gretzky and uh, not revealing which Gretzky they were signing. <laughs> the commissioner. I, I, sorry, go ahead, Luke. No, I just, I, I was, I kept waiting for Brent to pop up and tell his, his side of the story. It never happened. Got the old silent treatment from the Gretzky's. <laughs> the, uh, the commissioner was an interesting character as well. Like I think he, yeah. I think he opened the show. <laughs> I think he was on on screen for the opening of the show. I think his and, wheels were getting and, greased at well, some point. W- there. Within, he was getting some envelopes. He yeah, was yeah. Some envelopes. within like within like five five seconds, I was like, no, like this guy don't like him, don't like him at all. You know, he's like, oh, I'm the boss. I told them we do this the the the, the league's way and blah blah blah. If they do anything to embarrass the league, and then by the end of it all, he's he's drinking beers with them and hanging out with them. He's best friends with them. So yeah, obviously some uh, envelopes, some attitude dropped off. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of attitude adjustments. I'm gonna shift gears on you again here, Luke. We gotta definitely talk a little bit of hip hop. Um, I did enjoy a couple of the uh, album reviews you had put out during the summer. Um, First question, what did you enjoy more, Donda or CLB? So you're the – you know who asked me this recently was Sean McKenzie posed that question to me. Okay. Um, uh, I, would, I would say CLB has higher highs, um, but some of the, some of the uh, like stretches of a bunch of singing songs I kind of – tune out right um Where donda's like donda's a more, yeah donda's a more interesting listen um but i think they both need to be chopped by like half an hour i think right. i think both those guys need a, a editor yeah and someone to tell them no that you know that's enough you know trim some of the fat hit them with 10 12 bangers and get out right um 
Now, do yeah. you have anything in the works on either of these albums? Like, I don't know how that works for you as a freelancer. Are you kind of putting together columns on these albums and then and send them out to see who wants to do them, or are you kind of wait for a call? No, I'm at the point where um, I have to know it's going to get published before I, I start writing. Um, so, no, I'm not writing anything about either of those two um, right now. Uh, the next next album I write about, I think, is going to be the Big Boy album. Big Boy from Outcast okay. is coming out with a solo album soon. I think next week, so I might write about that one. But um, yeah, so like uh, I covered hip hop, did a bunch of interviews with artists and reviews and reviews of shows and and features well before I I started doing hockey writing. And it's just something that uh, I keep alive on the side just because I'm listening to, to rap music all the time anyway. Um, and I had a big I had a big feature in an upcoming issue of Double XL. Do, do you guys yep. know that oh, yeah. American magazine? Yeah. In, in an actual print magazine that you get at the newsstands on uh, Sweet. Hip, hip-hop's obsession with the goat and everyone okay. calling themselves the goat. So do you um, do you uh, boil it down to a, a couple of nominees or? No, no, it's more like the history of how like uh, it started with Muhammad Ali. Okay, and then LL Cool J in the year two thousand had a a song called Goat, an album called Goat, and then uh, how it's just taken off and and everyone seems to be throwing that word around or throwing goat actual goats in their videos and right. um, <laughs> it's kind of more of a, a look at at how it's grown into like this. It's a this cultural phenomenon. phenomenon it's, now. Yeah. yeah. Cause well, you hear it translate everything. You're like, LeBron's the goat. MJ's yeah, the goat. Yeah. Uh, Tiger Woods, the goat, right? Like or it's goat, goat emojis, right? And, right. And right. They're not, they're not always talking about Freddie Goat so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's such an interesting conversation, Luke. Actually, I, I feel like I have a goat related conversation at least like once or twice a month. Well, maybe far more, right? Like everyone, everyone's doing it, and no matter what you're a fan of, everybody wants to engage in that debate of who's the goat, right? Like, oh man, I think we had like an hour long debate in one of our big group chats. There's got to be twelve guys in it, like, and I was adamant that the goat of goats, full stop, no more discussion, is Tiger Woods because of various reasons and the fact that he's on a on an individual team and then that became a new sub argument which was you can't compare team athletes that are goats to individual athletes oh. that are goats and i thought that was actually an interesting point where do you sit on the on the like, argument luke could you could you compare serena See, see right. I personally, I don't think so. because <laughs> MJ to Tiger. No, but no, no, I don't think so because while Serena is in an individual sport, a lot of her play as a, so- a-, a soccer, as a tennis athlete, her play relies on her opponent either returning the ball or not or how they return oh. the ball. You know what I mean? Like right. a Tiger Woods, for example, all he does is hit his golf ball into a hole. Mm. And if other people's golf balls are in the way – they actually move them. Like, so the whole game is just that one person trying to get the best score. What other people do actually 
true truly doesn't matter. It matters on Sunday. So you got oh he bogeyed Tiger. seventeen. You got to compare Tiger to like a darts player. Yeah, darts are. Bo- <laughs> I think, but even darts is a weird one though, because or no, no. You, when you play darts, you do go it's by yourself, you, yeah, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I I thought honestly we had a pretty good debate. I thought it was an interesting conversation, and I mean I know you were talking about it on another level uh, in the hip hop world, Luke. But it, it is like Lesko said, it's, it is a cultural phenomenon that kind of goes beyond any one any one thing. Those go to yeah, everything. And the words now in the dictionary got into the uh, Webster's Dictionary a couple of years ago. Oh, that's almost disappointing for us humans. Might as well just call it Urban Dictionary <laughs> at this point. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Webster's so, Urban Dictionary. So uh, what, other, uh, what other albums are you into right now, Luke, and what can you recommend me? Oh, let me see. Put me on the spot. Well, pull up your playlist. I'm pulling up my playlist. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've listened to a lot of Griselda. Do you listen to those guys? Yeah, like a little bit. Them? Yeah, yeah. I like those guys. Um, let's see who I got here. Um, yeah, have you, have you heard Baby Keem? I have not. Yeah. Is a new guy from the West Coast. Kendrick Lamar is uh, endorsed. I think it's is Kendrick Lamar's cousin, um, and Kendrick's on like three or four songs on the album. That's a pre- that's a pretty good album. Um, Kendrick's certified. Dude, this other dude, uh, Ransom. Have you heard of him? I have not. Yeah, sometimes I go kind of underground. Yeah, you're you're definitely on shit. He's that's good. Way out of my radar. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Though. That's what I'm looking for. That is right? what you're looking so. for, right? Luke's like, hey, have you yeah, heard Kanye's uh, new album? You're like, I, yeah, we just talked about it. <laughs> uh, IDK? Have you heard of IDK? I don't believe so. Gee, okay. Look at all these new ones for all me right. to check out. A couple guys to look I'm up. so caught up into like, you know, just what's on Shade 45 or like Hip Hop Nation, right? So it's they're kind of like feeding me what, what's new, right? So I don't always get outside the, the mainstream. But like I've been banging a lot of like 21 Savage, like J. Cole, um, yeah, kind of artists like that, a little to baby, you know, a little more mainstream stuff from from uh, this summer. But I'll definitely yeah, I like, yeah, those, I like those guys too. I like those guys too. Um, yeah, I, I like the J Cole album. I feel like it kind of came and left fairly yeah. quickly. But but I I thought yeah I liked his rhyming on it. Yeah, particularly. I, I mean, it's yeah. it's flows incredible, and and I was a huge fan of the albums one of the ones I was like, hey, I got to listen to this front to back. And I, I did enjoy it. You wrote a piece on that one as well, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So that was a, a definitely must listen, especially after I saw that. Um, we had not a lot of play I found uh, as far as like singles or, or stuff that's getting radio play. Uh, no. Except for the first one. I know he's on tour right now as well with Moray and 21 Savage, which unfortunately no Canadian dates for us, but the man, that would probably be a hell of a show. Yeah, that's what I miss because I I used to go through go, go see pretty much anyone uh, that would come through Toronto and yeah, it's been uh, crickets. Yeah, pretty tough time for us concert going uh, yeah. fans, right? Yeah. All right, Luke. Last thing that we're gonna do here is we're gonna take you through your last year's rapid fire preseason quiz. Coleman, oh boy! You want to walk oh boy. through that? You actually did pretty good when we went through the answers. I guess, yeah. and, and you should. I mean, you, you follow the team, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Actually, hit you me, did really good. <laughs> you did really well. Now that I'm looking through it, all right. Uh, let's see. Our first question was, how many starts is Freddie Anderson going to get? 
you thought he'd really shoulder the load at 38 out of 56, but I think that's a tough number, Luke, because I remember you saying, well, is it, are we doing like 82 or are we doing 56, you know? And it was, well, let's do 56. So now you got to get a calculator out and prorate them. Uh, so 38 was a, a guess. The actual was 24. So it went 24. Uh, and then Jack Campbell with, uh, with 22, obviously with Freddie's injuries. Um, do the Leafs re-sign Anderson? So you're 0 for 1 at this point. Uh, you say can't afford him. He goes elsewhere. Um, which is correct. Spot it might on. might be worth two points, but it's kind of said the same thing. So we'll just give you one. One out of two. Uh, who leads the team in points, I think, was a bit of a layup. Uh, but you got it correct with Mitchell Marner, uh, who led the team with 67 points. Matthews right there, one point behind, a few games less uh, during the season. Uh, the next question, which was my favorite, which was how many points will Jumbo Joe get? Uh, and you said 28, which I really liked. I, I was sitting at 25, I remember, uh, and 28 was your guess. The actual w- was 20. So where do you think the difference lies there, Luke? They didn't play him enough, or he didn't uh, gel enough with the young pups? Uh, I think the difference is I probably just get excited when there's people in my age bracket still playing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wanted him to do a little bit better than he did. I think we, all, did. we all did. I think they played him enough. I think yeah, you got okay. Fair lots of opportunities from the golf and shin pads. There. You're right. Maybe, yeah. maybe too much. Uh, okay, number five, who fills out the top four to start the season, assuming it's Muzzin, Brody, and Riley? Uh, if I recall correctly, that was the quickest answer you gave. I think you said it before Lesko even finished asking you the question you said hall uh so that one was quick we typed that one right in and and that was bang on as well so congratulations there uh at this point now you are one two what are you you're three four five at this point you're making a comeback uh the next question where do the leafs finish in the north division you correctly uh, predicted that they would finish number one again uh, maybe a bit of a layup the quiz master got a bit of a, a licking for that one uh and final question who will be their biggest rival which i thought was a really interesting question i really liked your answer of vancouver the reason why i agreed with you at the time was because I felt that Vancouver had a, a pretty, like you know, lethal-looking squad. I was high on them too. I, everyone seemed to be high on Vancouver, and all of a sudden, it didn't it didn't play out for them. I'm I'm predicting a bounce back year for Vancouver as long as they get these guys signed. I think they're going to be okay. Okay, all right. I, the Pacific the Pacific is, in my mind, the weakest division too. Um, so yeah, I think Thatcher Demko plays well. I think they start getting it together a little bit. I like the uh, some of the changes they made. I think Oliver Ekman Larson will be uh, rejuvenated a little bit. And yeah. speaking of those guys that they need to get signed, last one before we let you go. Uh, you know, we we were talking about it when we brought you on. And then we kind of breezed right past it, never got a chance to get your thoughts on it. Uh, you mentioned that you update your article on a weekly basis. Do we have anything from you midweek for our PuckPod uh, faithful? Oh, not, nothing new except, you know, day one of camp is a serious pressure point, right, for these RFA guys. Mm-hmm. And, and it's coming. Um, like, I, I know players that have told their agent, try to get the best deal possible but I want to be at camp now do Quinn Hughes or do Elias Pedersen have the stomach for sitting out and, you know, really putting Jim Benning's feet to the fire. I don't know. 
it's going to be really interesting because last year was such a gong show for the Canucks franchise, basically, and for their fan base that if they don't have these guys signed early into camp, it's going to suck all the oxygen out of out of that situation you know it's, it's going to be brutal the, well you can't the story, hit the ground running like that yeah you can't hit the ground running and the story should be we got rid of some bad contracts we, we brought in some new blood we got our guys signed our, our two key cornerstone guys and we're ready uh, we, we we got our our coach isn't a sitting duck anymore like we're ready let's go we're in a division that we can make the playoffs in let's let's make some moves here um, but if the story is, oh, Pedersen and the Canucks are two million apart or whatever, then it's just going to be bad vibes to start. And I, and I do think po- like that positivity at the beginning really helps teams and players get off on the right foot because you have to be in the mix or, or you know, if you're not in the race, you can see teams fall off pretty hard. Well, that's what Lesko and I were saying just before we brought you on, Luke, was I was wondering if players these days were – perhaps a little bit more prepared to miss camp than, than they previously were. Uh, and, and maybe the start of the actual season puck hitting the ice, it, it might be becoming more of the, you know, touchy feely deadline uh, than, than camp. But, you know, you, you, you said yourself that it's, you know, it's looking like camp is, is, is the deadline for, for these guys. And, I, I like I like that. I said to Lesko, I I firmly believe that you know if you're trying to build a successful organization, you got to have all your players, especially your franchise star players, be there for camp for your prospects and your guys that are coming up through the ranks. Like they need to be working out together and on the ice together, having lunch, like being part of the team and 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 gelling and you know forming an identity. And like you said, when those guys aren't there the storyline tends to veer away from where it should be. Yeah. Just like, look, look at Nylander, right? I mean, yeah, technically there's the next pressure point would be game one of the season. And then it would be December one where you're not even eligible to play. And I, I, but I think it takes a really like, you have to have a real strong stomach for that um, to watch all your friends come back and be smiling and playing and get ready to, ready to play hockey. I mean, these guys are hockey players. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, you've just had a ton of time off. If you're the Canucks you, or the Senators, you've had a, a really long time off because you weren't in the playoffs. Um, you know, it, it's hard. It, it takes a lot of you got to be really strong mentally, I think, to be able to say, no, nope, I'm sticking to my guns. Even if they're playing games, this is my number like that's that's hardcore. If you're able to do that, I think uh, Brady Kachuk might be able to do that. Eh? It's in his well, blood. Yeah, he's he's in a different scenario, right? Like that family, it's in his blood. Yeah, yeah. Fight for everything. And but Ottawa, they don't. You know, they can't blame Vancouver. Can blame cap space and say we got to do bridge deals because we only have shrug and say, look, this is all the space we have. Ottawa has cap space. Just pay this guy. Like he's he's going to be one of your franchise guys, probably your captain. Like yeah, just pay him, get him there, have a feel good story in Ottawa. Fan favorite. Yeah, like let's go. Um, and then how about Kirill? I'm interested yeah. in the $10 million deal in the KHL. Is this an actual thing? Are we believing this? Well, I don't know about the number, but I'm sure he could go back and play in the KHL. But, I mean, that's where he was playing before last year, right? 
Um, it, he's in a, a different scenario too, where I think he's 26 or something. Like he's not a kid really. Um, so what do you want to do? Do you want to be an NHL player and basically the face of the Minnesota wild who've turned the page, you know, they bought out Suter and Prize. They're basically, uh, clearing this, this path for you to be the man in this hockey mad city. Um, or do you really want to go back to the KHL and you don't care about ever trying to win the Stanley cup? I think they're, they're trying to call his bluff because I think he does want to be an NHL player. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just a matter of money. Um, uh, I think they're going to find a way. I think so too. I I think they're going to find a way. I don't imagine a story where this, you know, this kid comes in, uh, you know, from nowhere almost it seems and just absolutely lights it up, becomes fan favorite is on highlight reel after highlight reel on sports center and Sportsnet every morning. And then all of a sudden he leaves, goes back to KHL. See you guys yeah. later. Thanks. Thanks for the one time. It was great. Scored a bunch of goals, sold a, bu- sold a bunch of jerseys and then just went back to the K like it's, you know, early on, I fully believe that it was a negotiation tactic as time moves on and we get closer and closer to dropping the puck. I, I get a little bit more interested in the story. Yeah. So, I, again, the press, I think, day, let's see what happens day one of camp. And then if it lingers on, let's see what happens to the season. But that city especially, they need a guy like him, yeah. a guy who, who scores goals, who plays offense. they like got to give him what he wants. Yeah. He's the best player and, and, they've ever had. Yeah, he only played for the, well, yeah, but he's probably Except still better Gabrick, than Gabrick. Yeah. He's still better than Gabrick. Like not right now. I'm saying like his career is potentially yeah. going to be even bigger than Marion. Most Gabrick's. exciting player they've had in like 20 years. So I mean, it's <sighs> get it done right? easily. It should be like Ottawa. Write the check, get it done, deal with it later. Yeah. I hope Brady's done by opening night. I'm going to that game. I'm going <laughs> to Leaf Sens and oh, you are. Yeah, oh, nice. I'm going to Leaf Sens. I'm, I'm, I'm. Are you going to be there, Luke? You'll be there, won't you? I think I think I'll be there. Right yeah. on, man. Well, listen, uh, maybe I'll see you around the rink. I'm going to be uh, on the glass in the uh, in the uh, corner, right at the hash marks where the Leafs shoot twice. Whatever, okay, end, whatever br- end that. That's the home. That's the home end. Yeah, that's the I'll home bring, end. I'll bring my binoculars and look for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Hey, you're going to be way up top. Eh? You won't have to though, Luke. I'm going to be wearing a fancy. I'm going to be wearing a fancy Pucks in D podcast T-shirt. I figured there's okay. no better marketing than hardcore guerrilla marketing. <laughs> so I'm just going to wear it in the front row. And then like when there's a face-off in the corner, I'm just going to stand up and just kind of like press ru- it right on the ru- glass. rub my chest on the glass and just point to it. It'll be great. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Easy to spot. <laughs> right on. Well, listen, Luke, thanks so much again for uh, giving us your time, my friend. We've uh, taken up pretty much all of your young lad's practice. So he's inside. You said he's a big chatterbox, eh? So he'll be the last yeah, out. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Right on. He's usually last out. I, I got to go in there and hurry him out, though. Right on. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. This was fun. Hey, anytime. The pleasure is all ours. We'll see uh, how the end of this season shapes out, Luke. Maybe we'll talk to you then if things were a little better than last time. Okay, anytime. All right. Thanks, Luke. Okay, boys. Take care. Bye. All right, well, there he goes. Luke Fox Jukebox. Find him on Twitter. We had him there for a while, eh? Yeah, I mean, he told me he was good till 7.10 or so, and it's 7.02, so he's good man, right, right on time. Right on time. He was a chatty guy right up to the end there, too. I mean, he had a lot to say. You guys yeah, had a nice a chatty guy. Yeah, you guys had a nice little chat there about the uh, about your hip-hop uh, culture. You got a couple of new uh, couple of new referrals. For, yeah, I got, I've got them written down here. For so. some tunes, so that's pretty sweet. And actually, yeah, you know what? Now that I'm looking at this thing, he said that he did terribly, but he went one, two... 
uh, three, four. So he four for seven. That's pretty good. Four for seven is pretty for like quick too. If you if you listen to that episode, we were yeah. asked him like we said rapid fire, and he was like boom boom, and he didn't hesitate. No, on, like, I don't and, think any of his answers. And let's so. be honest, man. Like um, one, two, two of these, yeah, two of these are asking him to pick actual numbers, like lottery numbers. How many starts yeah. is Anderson going to get? Like, well, you know, he has to be bang That's on the number. Uh, how many points does Joe Thornton get? I should, I should get him an over-under next time. Oh, just, good yeah, call. That would have been more yeah. generous. Oh, well, fuck, why didn't we do a rapid fire right now with the well, guy? We were, look, we didn't have time. We were so so busy talking about everything else. Shooting talking about goats. And talking about goats. Yeah, shooting the shit. <laughs> I fucking love talking about goats. Oh, man. All right, brother. Well, listen, well, what do you want to say? You want to just wrap it up? It was pretty much just a big episode featuring Luke Fox. That's kind of it. I mean, follow uh, the man at Luke Fox Jukebox. Yeah. Prolific writer um, and, you know, hip-hop, hockey. This guy does it all. Uh, definitely going to be uh, looking forward to camp opening up. I'm sure he's going to be a busy man. He's usually pumping. I know during the season, I think he's pumping out work almost every single day. So it's really nice that we have the opportunity to get him on here before. That's kind of the strategy. We get these guys on before, before he's on the road and yeah. going to be real busy and all that shit. But, I guess uh, it is, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we don't know who we got booked for next week, but it's going to be somebody. Oh, yeah. We're going well, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to get somebody in. We're just going to say that. And well, we, yeah, we got some boys in. We'll get one of the boys <laughs> in. We'll get one of the, like, Alberga or yeah, Matarazz or Han in. I know Jake's on vacay. Maybe he'll come in. Maybe we can get uh, Jim Houston on. He's He's got lots of free time. Come into the studio. You know, I like Jim, okay? I got nothing really against Jim. I think what happened is I got sick of Jim Houston for commentating every single hockey game for like 12 years. I got him sick of doing Leaf games. Yeah, but that's that's recent. I guess, but th- it's been a while. Yeah, like but he was doing Leaf games for what, four or five years or something? Yeah, I know, but think about that like... too much. Think about the, <laughs> the day that I'm talking about. So he started doing EA Sports yeah. in like 2000. Yeah. And he did it until like 2012. Yeah. So like all through my heavy, heavy video game playing life it was always jim hughes and it was just like i didn't want to shut the commentating off because i want to have it on while you play the game uh but it was so annoying back in the day it was super repetitive yeah that's what i mean that's what i mean yeah Yeah. and it just got so this one looks like it's gonna be a barn burner Remember that? They'd be like, welcome really to good. East Rutherford, New Jersey. They had like 10 different like uh, clips you play for different situations. But yeah. I know what you mean. Like incredible, like legendary b- broadcaster, obviously. Got watered down. Wishes. But I, I don't know. I just, I got sick of them doing Leaf games. Like I just, it didn't appeal to me as a fan when it's like, I feel like he hates the team. I don't, I can't yeah, prove oh, it. Oh, I agree I can't with you. prove it. No. But that's just how I felt. And that's my own personal bias and whatever. It's, it's, it, if I'm a fan watching a game of my team, like I'd like the guy to sound sort of excited when they score. At least. Dude, you're not the only. You know? you're, you're. I'm not. I know. I'm not alone. You're in part this. of the majority. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So, but my, all the respect way. in the world, like I said, don't want to trash and, and step on the guy or anything. But, um, you know, obviously he got. Well, they got Chris Cuthbert now, right? So yeah, I, I guess that's about it for you. And exactly. And unless you want to do Vancouver games in the middle of the night, they're back like you used to but well we talked about that when the Cuthbert move was made yeah figured remember it people been, uh... were people were upset that that it wasn't Hughes in, and I I remember saying on the pod well let's just pump the brakes on that they're not just gonna kick Hughes in out of his chair right so now you're right they kind of let him fade away 
after the fact, I guess. Well, I guess going on his own terms, exactly retiring. I mean, it's it's not as if they fired him. They fired him yeah. or anything like that. And why would you? It's you can, I don't think that's how you treat a legend, right? No, no, so. no. And he and he is, and he like he he is a legend. There's no there's no way around it. I mean, he gets a lot of negative press around you know doing Leaf games, but I think that comes with the territory. I think the only person out there, or the only two people out there that could do Leaf games and not get shit on for it, are Bob Cole and Joe Bowen. Yeah, at least if you grew up in our era, you know. Like, right. Uh, and, well, think about it. There's such a long-standing, you know, those guys that you associate with the game. So they're, they're, the highlights that are in, their voice are in your head forever. Yeah, but right? think, think about this, dude. Like Cuthbert, I don't know if Cuthbert has really, I'm sure he has, let's go. He's a professional. But I don't know if Chris Cuthbert has truthfully and in, in all of its entirety understood what's before him right now. Like the opportunity to perhaps etch yourself into the Foster Hewitts and Bob Coles of the world, right. meaning meaning like your voice is now synonymous, for years. synonymous with yeah, the Leafs. People grow up listening, and, to you and and we haven't won in a hundred years. So you know, stats they may, did something good. <laughs> stats may show that you know maybe we're due. You know, maybe right. we're due. Maybe not this year. Maybe not next year. But maybe in you know fourteen years from now, we're finally do and he's in the booth like that is such a huge career defining moment that may be you know attainable for him if the team can provide some some wins for him yeah. so i mean maybe it's in a roundabout way let's call in the game anyway i mean whether the leafs are there or not right? yeah you're so right yeah there's yeah, still right. like you know tons of epic calls just not ones that but i think it resonate with me and you right i think so. it's really awesome for him man i think like chris cuthbert is probably he's got to be number number one two or three for me if i had to sit down and think about it which i won't but he's got to <laughs> be in my top three for play-by-play yeah. I just love what he does. I love the way his voice comes up and down. I think he's got a unique voice for it as well. And I'm really looking forward to having Chris Cuthbert be the voice of the Leafs, if that's what is going to, to happen here. Um, if sure, he will sure be that way, the, anyway. the voice of the Leafs, it'll be great because it's been a while since I had someone that I really loved. And that includes Bob Cole. Because I loved Bob Cole. He's my favorite of all time. But the last three to five years of Bob Cole were unwatchable. Yeah, we've been through that. We've been through that. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's been even longer is what I'm saying, Lesko. Like, like, yeah, Bob Cole retired or was you know, pushed away uh, from the booth. But th it, there was three to five years before that where it wasn't great. Yeah. So it, it's been a really long time, man, since before we had you know, someone calling the game every Saturday that you could throw your papers down and be like, ah, that's it, let's go, let's watch this game and listen to what they had to say. I used to listen to what Bob Cole had to say. Now I'm, I catch myself, you know, having it on very minimum volume because I just, I get annoyed with what the guys are saying. Well, it's that some of those like long-standing older school guys had like a poetry about them, you know? Yeah. Like Ron McLean, for example. Like, yes. He's just... You know, sometimes he's like making these sort of silly, like poetic intros Corpse and stuff. or whatever. But, yeah. but he, it's so unique. You it know is. what I mean? Like he, he adds uh, some imagery that, that there's something to. Um, he colors it you in. Got, you got to appreciate what he does. And even listening to him get interviewed, uh, I, if you ever had a chance, like any interview Ron McLean does where he like really kind of. And I found podcast interviews with him fascinating because he's so. Um, thoughtful and soft-spoken and stuff and, and, and pretty like 
forward and honest mm-hmm. like you know uh, he's uh, also very methodical too eh? with his responses and like he wants to give you everything right and or as much as he possibly can without you know disrespecting anybody sure. or, or stirring up shit or something like that but uh I guess on the note of like commentators, broadcasters, did you have a chance to look at the rosters that they announced for the American teams? I didn't actually. Yeah, so I do have a couple links to them in the prep there, but I thought there were some just some notable names, uh, former players, for example, on the the ESPN roster. Um, Brian Boucher, I know he's been doing work for a while. Ryan Callahan, uh, Kevin Weeks, obviously, who's who's a really popular voice and. I mean, a lot of these Weeks guys is we, great. we did see on, on Canadian networks previously uh, that obviously gone down um, kind of where the money is. Ray Ferraro, obviously, on ESPN now. Um, they got Mark Messier as an analyst. Uh, Barry Melrose in his ridiculous fucking suits. Rick DiPietro. Rick DiPietro, which I, is he still under contract with the <laughs> Islanders? Like, is this guy still double dipping or what? I don't know. Um, they got Chelios, too, and his super, super tan face. Is Leah Hextall uh, related? I don't know. Is she married? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I have no clue. Um, and then what was the... Uh, oh, Hillary Knight. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And there was a couple other... Um, uh, Cassie Campbell as well, who spent yep. a ton of time on CBC and Sportsnet and all that. So some good old uh, familiar faces anyway. I know I know we don't have a ton of access to this programming, but it seems like they put together like... You know, a very good team. And same if you go over to the TNT lineup, um, their analysts being Gretzky, Anson Carter, who we saw on Sportsnet a lot, fantastic. Uh, Rick Tockett, which would be interesting, uh, former coach there. And yeah. Phil Kessel Whisperer. And uh, Paul Biznasty. Bissonette is going to be on there too. Like, that's a. That's a big gig for him, man. Like, man, you know, he's going what? from in, being in the, the play by play in, in uh, Arizona to being on TNT. That's. That's a big job for him. And, of course, they got Eddie Olchuk and Darren Pang, classic combo there. Those guys, you know, well-respected, a lot of years in the game. Dude, and I'll tell you right now, another occupant in my top three is Kenny Albert. I, 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 like, I, I say that to people, and they're like, who? And I'm like, nobody, hey. Nobody knows Nobody who knows are. who it is. Guy, listen, it was Because unless the- you watch U.S. fees, you wouldn't know, right? I guess that's fair, yeah. But, like, yeah, you're right, actually. You're 100% right. Very rarely does Sportsnet bring in an NBC feed. Yeah, or even if you heard a highlight of it, you would. Yeah, know but you would know during the playoffs. The you would know during the playoffs. Oh yeah, because well, that's when you get the US feeds is right. during the playoffs. Right. Sportsnet brings in the Flyers and whoever in the playoffs or the Penguins or whatever when they're um, just rebroadcasting. Yeah, and, right. and and Kenny Albert really cut his teeth. I get. Well, I shouldn't say cut his teeth because I don't know where he started, but he made a name for himself with the Ranges. Okay, well, so I'd probably recognize that yeah. voice. Dude, if I heard dude, it. he he's the he's the um, you know stop by Lungfist, rebound saved by Lungfist, like right, he, right, like right. he's that guy, you know? Yeah, see exactly. Now you even you mentioned the Rangers because like I recall them having a very like the guy who do all the games on MSG, right? Yeah, right. Yes. Okay. Well, actually, no, there is a different guy, and I can't remember who it is, and I'm really upset with myself because I'm Since good with you're broadcasters. The, yeah, you're the whole, but that other guy is. I think you might be thinking of the other guy who would go. He would just go shot. Save Lunkfest. Rebound. Like, save. I like you got you got impressions but no names to go with them. Well, the the most the most common plays from the Rangers in the last few seasons have been saves by Lunkfest. Yeah, you know? pretty much. That's that's the all we're getting down there. <laughs> like even when they went deep to the final, I don't even know if they scored a goal. Yeah. It was just all saves by Lunkfest en route to the finals. And uh, TNT also bringing in uh, 
as contributors Jennifer Bodrell, who which I really enjoyed uh, her on Sportsnet, and uh, another former Sportsnet named Jackie Redman. Yeah, Jackie Redman. She covered nice. the Jays, I believe, yeah. previously for yeah. for Sportsnet. Yeah, and so. she does those um, those top fifty plays. She did right, the, t- the right. top fifty. Yeah, yeah so. and Liam McHugh is a good host, man. They, they they snagged him from the NBC feed. Like a lot of these guys are just directly right. directly from the NBC. Uh, well, former NBC hockey broadcast. But yeah, Liam McHugh is a, is a really good host. I, I'm going to like this. I'm going to like the NHL on TNT. I'm going to hope that I get access to it. Mm-hmm. They like to really bone us up here in Canada with all that nonsense. Well, even just watching a video, it's like, this is not available in your country. Like, I know. Shit, I hate shit like that because I'm interested not just in the broadcast, but what kind of content they put out there. Yes. You know, what kind of little interview specials, what kind of panels and 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 you know different stuff are they going to put out there online that you know hopefully we'll be able to consume because with all these great you know analyst personalities and contributors there's no telling what you know sky's the limit as far as what they can put together as far as content's concerned it's going to be great man i can't wait to drop the puck I can't wait to get some of these uh, RFA deals done. I was really hoping Luke was going to have a little tidbit. I know. That the, news, we could... the news will be flying in the next <clears throat> couple of weeks here for sure. It's going to be great. So, all right. Are we ready to wrap it up, my friend? Yep. Okay, man. Well, you know what? what? I'm really impressed Bye. with the fact that we did this show uh-huh. on September 21st. We didn't talk about the election. Hey. 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 We talked on. more about the U.S. election. <laughs> yeah, we did. When it was going on, then we talked about this one. Well, I mean, talk about an unremarkable election. Nothing fucking happened. It was the same as last time. Yeah, exactly. Was- this election was like the same. There's like the playoffs for the Leafs. It's a $600 million game of sign wars. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. <laughs> All right, well, that's our election talk right there here there on the go. Bucks and Deep Podcast. Josh Coleman and Adam Lesko. Follow us on Twitter at Coleman42, at Lesko Adam. And thanks once again to Luke Fox for joining us from Sportsnet, Leaf reporter and freelance hip-hop artist, author of Ice-T Shot Me in the Face and 11 other stories of hip-hop. Something like that. I'm very close. Thanks to Luke Fox. You can find him on Twitter, at LukeFoxJukeBox. And that does it for episode 85. Let's go. We got 15 more to make it to the century mark. We're going to get to the century mark this season. It's going to be great, my friend. Ooh, what are we going to do? I don't know. We'll find out. we got to have a big guest. We're going to have to gear up for a big guest. Speaking Something of which, cool. I'm going to do my best, get us a nice guest for next week. And if not, we'll just come and shoot the shit with you guys. We'll see what happens. Until next week, stay classy. <laughs>